The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. Oh my, I got to tell you guys, this is crazy. I've had a girl crush on our guest today. And then I found out she had one on me. What is the likelihood of that? I am here today with the infamous Erica Reckcamp. And the topic today is not an hot resume OMGs that you need to know. So Erica is just a wealth of information. And one of the reasons why I love Erica so much is because I hate resumes and I have yet to meet somebody that could turn me on to them and who other than my girl crush to do that, right? So welcome, Erica. I could not be happier to have you here. And just like we said, you know, like have this great conversation. Absolutely. So thrilled. Anytime Lauren calls, I'm there. Whether she needs a roommate or, you know, a speaker in her portfolio rocket, which is always an amazing experience, or on any of her wonderful channels that she's got these offerings for job seekers and people who just really want to thrive in their careers. We're going to kick this off with kind of one of those important questions that everyone always wants to know, which is, how did you become Erica Reckcamp, the resume writer? Like nobody, nobody like raises their hand in school and says, well, when I grow up, I want to be a resume writer. How did that happen for you? Okay. So I'll try to make a long story short, but when I was in university, I became a ghostwriter and I was ghostwriting for my professors and that spun off into ghostwriting for Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winners. It didn't feel, after some time, it didn't feel authentic because a lot of the authors were in Nigeria or, you know, some of these developing countries that it didn't really feel appropriate for me to be the voice for them. So even though I really loved doing that, right, especially I got way into praise poetry, which is where People would celebrate their culture. They would celebrate their figures in their community. And it was basically building people up to be better, do better, achieve more. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And while I loved that, I felt that it was time for me to get a real job, so to speak. So I applied to just a blind job listing, which we would tell people not to do nowadays. But it worked out in that it was an executive outplacement firm. And I tested into the role and it wound up being the corporate equivalent, the American capitalist equivalent of praise poetry, right? Where we are literally helping people find a voice and talking about their proudest professional moments so they can achieve even more and grow and just thrive, right? And I fell in love and I'm still doing it to this day, decades later. It's not a stopgap. It's not a, I guess I'll do this till something better comes along. I actually 
Love it. Okay. So aside from the voice piece, giving people that voice, help me understand what is exciting about documenting somebody's history and having that information move that proverbial needle in their job search. Because what you have shared with me and what we're going to get into next is that resumes today are not even close to what we all thought resumes, our reference point is, right? So what is exciting about this and why is it different today than it ever has been? Sure. So I think when we think about a typical resume, we're just thinking of career chronology and we're listing titles and we're listing dates and we're listing companies and we're maybe bulleting a couple of points of scope, right? That's what most people think of as a resume. If they're doing their, bringing their A game, maybe they've got some numbers that they're throwing in there, right? But what we really want to do when we are exploring opportunities, when we're targeting our content, when we're kind of using the resume as a launch pad to all of these conversations that we're hoping to have, we can actually structure the content in such a way to speak to where we want to be next, right? Not not retrospectively, but using it to attract these types of opportunities and conversations. And there's a number of different ways we do that, whether it's talking about our values to show alignment with the target organization's stated values, whether or implied, right, on their socials or through networking conversations, by talking about our emotional competencies, our EQ, our soft skills, while a lot of people say, well, that's just fluff. Well, actually, if we're looking at a large pool of qualified candidates, that's typically the deciding factor, right? If we've got a lot of people who could take on the role, guess what? I'm going to hire the person that I'll get along with the best or that complements the existing personalities we already have in-house. It makes complete sense, right? What other thing are you going to use to decide among a pile of equally qualified candidates? The other things that we can do is structure the accomplishments in such a way that we make sure the eye, the reader, digests that information. And that's what they'll pull out and want to talk about, start the conversation. Mm. So when we're looking at it as all of these possibilities and priorities that we can showcase, that we can actually have some sort of an impact on reader reception, then it becomes really interesting, a really compelling conversation, both with the with the job seeker to find out what is most important to you. What are the stories that you want to tell? What's important for a takeaway for them to know about you that's going to make you distinctive about everyone else that's going to be in the candidate pool? And on the hiring side, so that we are speaking to their priorities and they feel heard, they feel known, they feel targeted, right? And they feel like we're the solution. Mm. So if I had to go back and say like before and after, right? Like, so here we are, like one of those magazine makeovers before it looks like this and after it looks like this. The before is like, wah, wah, you know, a lot of chronology, right? This is where you grab your pillow and your sleeping bag. And it's just like regurgitation of what you've been doing, you know, yeah. history, history, history. <laughs> right. And it's usually very terse. Right. Exactly. No context. No, yeah. And I actually am going to cheat right now and tell tell people that, by the way, it's what maximum six seconds 
There's a reason yeah. why people don't spend a lot of time on your resume. And that's because most of them are stuck in the past and there's not enough what's in it for me as the decision maker hiring manager. So absolutely change over to what it looks like now. And now you are literally using that marketing collateral as a predictor forecaster of how you will come in and be the game changer in that organization. Right. Focusing on what we offer, not what we want. Exactly. Mm. Oh my God. What we offer, not what we want. Because what we want is very landline thinking. That's the way that I refer to it, right? It's old school. It's stinky. Nobody cares about what you want. They want not yet. to do for what you're going to do for them. Not yet. Exactly. Not yet. Right. They've got to fall in love with you first. And how do we make them fall in love with you? Talking about all these things we could do for them, right? Th- that's kind of like saying you'll, you want to negotiate before they've even decided whether or not they want to hire you, right? Oh like yeah. we're okay, just jumping so we, the gun. We got that. Okay. So now we're like going through this process. But the other thing that really has struck me as of late, and I haven't heard any of the many, many wonderful and qualified resume writers, at least the ones that I know out there on LinkedIn, which there's a large population, talk about the resume of today being different than it was pre-pandemic. And so there are some phases and stages that the marketplace have absolutely encountered that has also reflected itself in today's resume. Say more. Right. The types of candidates that people are looking for has changed. And as such, when we're positioning some a candidate as valuable, as an attractive a hire, right? We want to be focusing on what those priorities have changed to. So for example, pre-pandemic, we saw a lot of candidates saying, I'm a disruptor. I'm an iconoclast. They would talk about if it's not broken, break it, right? We're just exploring. Really high risk, high reward. They're pumping VC funding and a lot of these startups. They just kind of want to see what they can do. It's fine to just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. That was exciting. That was appealing. Once the pandemic hit, that really changed for a lot of hiring authorities, for a lot of organizations. They had enough disruption already. They didn't want any more curveballs, right? So then when we're experiencing that remote to digital shift that's happening much more quickly than people had anticipated. That was fine for uh, many people, but not for all. So we did need uh, to showcase how resilient the candidate would be during that period, right? We had a lot of people experiencing well-being issues, having trouble with anxiety. So if those who were able to persevere or even better actually deliver some sort of a growth that was seen as as pretty impressive so that would be very impressive for candidates during that period during the recovery right we saw that shift to people needing recognition employees we had so much turnover we had uh, mm. poor poor retention rates mm. people were jumping ship so frequently so how are you rewarding your employees and acknowledging their contributions. So they do feel valued, right? At that point, that was really valuable. Also, we saw a lot of L&D functions in organizations be cut. So for that reason, we saw an increase in 
interest for leaders who were developing, coaching, mentoring their teams. That became very appealing. While some industries still were struggling with the recovery period, others saw huge upticks in demand, right? Tech distribution. So then we saw really aggressive hiring practices and then labor hoarding. Even mm. when they kind of saw the economy was starting to, to shift and downturn a bit, they were afraid because hiring had been so expensive. They were afraid to let go of talent, even though the balance sheet was showing they probably should start to. So then around December, January, you know, December 2022, 2023, all of a sudden we had a lot of layoffs. And some people felt like, okay, well, this is just industry is restabilizing. They're just rebalancing to, you know, hospitality and travel ticking back up to pre-pandemic levels and addressing that pent-up desire to explore versus tech and maybe some of the exercise (laughs) equipment or decorating fads that were going on because people were stuck at home. All that demand went down, right? So then it's kind of resituated itself. However, because of those recessions, fears still looming, we see a lot of interest in candidates who are able to identify efficiencies, streamline operations, uh, simplify the business, identify the highest performing SKUs or products, right? So we're rationalizing. We are really focused on efficiency. Bottom line and profit, more important than revenue and growth at this stage. So then now we're seeing leaders who came through and they say i'm i'm completely growth driven i've got to reinvent things i'm a i'm a tireless innovator they're not as attractive so then when we're considering how are we going to shape this resume to appeal to general hiring priorities and sometimes we know sometimes through networking conversations or by decoding the job description what's mentioned early and often we can kind of discern okay well they are looking for a center of excellence or an innovation hub, and then that's fine. But for general submission, maybe we don't know those things or just standard what the landscape's looking like now. It is more conservative. It is more focused on efficiency. It's focused on prioritizing and it's focused on right those bottom line results. And then again, those metrics being able to show that throughout to reinforce. You know, anybody can say I'm an efficient employee or that I've got the operational insight to streamline your your business, but being able to drop some metrics to support that, that can be very powerful. So on a resume, you know, on the content development side, resume LinkedIn, we would want to front load those types of accomplishments, either creating a key accomplishment section under the summary, or if we've got a list of accomplishments aligned with a specific role, we might want to rank those earlier in the mm. resume. So these nuances are so catalytic in the process of how people are digesting in such a quick and instantaneous way, both on LinkedIn and in resumes, right? Because even though the pandemic was roughly three years ago, here we are three years ago, you cited four different phases in that time. We have gone from the whole disruption to the more resilience, resilient area, make it through, right? Exactly. And then like, oh, I need to recognize people and let's like do what we can to scrape together that retention. And then finally, here we are 
in this post-recovery area where there's still some fears around recession and we're looking at agility, streamlining, and stability because it's not enough to get hired for that specific opportunity. They're looking at how you are going to move throughout the organization so they don't need to replace that function. They want to make sure that you are here for as long as they can keep you. And for the vitality of the business, right? There's no point in innovating if you're going to go bankrupt in three months, right? So just looking at big picture, this is going to have more of an impact. Then if you do have a history of an innovation, if you have a history of building teams and developing teams, great. That's a bonus, right? But in general, this is the priority for now. Okay. So we're going to play this game called Not and Hot. And so- These are the things that you have cited that are a big part of this transformation from the before and after during this time period that we're talking about roughly about the three years pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. So on the not side, bring us through, it looks like there's six of these, bring us through the ones that we need to really know about. So what was the first not? Okay. Avoid that whole what I want mentality. The objective from the 80s, it's dead. We're not talking about that you would thrive in a fast-paced environment. We're not talking about you would like opportunities for growth and access to C-suite leaders. It's about what you can deliver. Okay. So give us some examples. So it's not about those things. And what's where's the sizzle here? Where's the hot? The hot is what you offer, what you can do for them, right? Give me a line. Like say it to me the way you'd say it in the resume. Okay. So it could be something like, I am a people first human resources leader who delivers high performing teams at a fraction of the cost. Brand. Brilliant. That's like perfect. Perfect. Right. So you can hear the difference, right? What's in it for them. The next one, do not do this. right, is the one that we talked about before, right? Right. The career chronology, just kind of a list, right? We're not looking at a laundry list. That's boring, right? While we still need that framework, we need to build it out. We need to provide context. We need some story to it, right? Yeah. So the sizzle here, the hotness is in, I like the way that you framed it, the focused storytelling, right? Yes. Yes. Again, we're pointing to where we want to be. It's not just the history of your life, but it's also providing some personality, right? Some character in that story, which is you, some context, answering those journalistic type questions, who, what, where, why, how, when. So we have a little sense of the before and after of scenarios. So it's showing that growth, that momentum, that dynamism within your contributions. Awesome. And then the next one, which I'm also going to use as a springboard because I know this question comes up all the time. How long should my resume be? And this, I think, is part of you should not be doing, right? Give us the title here. We don't need to go through an exhaustive diatribe of everything you've ever done, right? We don't need to know that you started pet sitting when you were 12. We don't need to know that in your 20s, you explored a nursing career. It needs to be relevant to your current target and it needs to fit the theme, right? So while some people might be like, well, I'm this fantastic cross-functional leader and I did some things with HR and I did some things with warehousing and I did some things with 
whatever, sales, right? What matters for this specific role is what you want to focus on. Those keywords, hard skills, soft skills, those accomplishment stories, those key points of impact should primarily be centered around the target role. Some of that other stuff, it might have to go to the wayside or even potentially disappear. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you've heard this before, right? I don't want to lose that because somehow people are attached to these pieces because they think that if they discard them, it's going to limit their opportunity. How do you address that? Because that comes up all the time. You never lose anything. That's my big, even if it doesn't appear, if it's not deemed essential to the current marketing campaign, to the current career campaign, you don't lose that accomplishment. So for example, if you find out in your networking or through the course of asking follow-up questions in your interviews that something is relevant you know, the fact that you did consolidate a warehouse, even though you're in ESG now, you can still mention it in the interview. You can still drop it in the cover letter as a touch point. But in general, we don't want to distract the, the reader with a confusing narrative, right? If I'm saying I'm a chief medical officer and all of a sudden I start talking about maximizing traffic flow, <laughs> that's going to be really confusing. Right. So we want to avoid that. Okay. The next one is my all-time biggest pet peeve ever, ever. Talk about stinky. This is really like, this doesn't just stink, it reeks. So give us the not here. Avoid the jargon. People confuse keywords or trying to reflect the, the company's language to show alignment. They confuse that with jargon. Jargon is like out of the box, synergistic, go-getter. Just these flat, horrible, cliche terms that mean nothing. If I see one more resume and or LinkedIn profile that says seasoned professional, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Or results-oriented. Everyone's results-oriented. Right. Right. I want a collaborative team. No, I want a a non-collaborative team. You know, like all these things are just, I want to say you're talking to yourself because they've already read this a million times and it doesn't mean anything. So, well, and it's noise at that point, right? Exactly. So what is the antidote to that? Okay. So the antidote to that is writing in your own voice, because even if it might not be the tightest language, it's authentically you. And then when we're thinking about the job search as a campaign, as a marketing campaign, the resume is one touch point of many, right? You have your outreach, you have a conversation, you send the resume, they look at your LinkedIn profile. Each one of these, if it sounds like you, it's a touch point. They feel closer to you. You're building that familiarity and that relationship. If it doesn't sound like you, if it sounds like a job description from monster.com, if it sounds like entirely like their requisition, it's appropriate to echo some of their language, but it shouldn't sound like a copy and paste job. If it sounds like your resume writer, it shouldn't sound like that. It should actually sound like you. And so what do people do if they, I mean, they're hiring a resume writer because they don't, or maybe they're not, maybe they're doing something else like using a template or even chat GPT. Like how do you know that you're doing the right thing 
if you're not somebody who is comfortable writing? Because isn't that's a good question. That's a very good question. I think if you're looking at if you're using your the former job description to inform your responsibilities, paraphrase that into your own words. Either you explain it as though you're talking to a friend. This is what I did for this role. And then write it down that way. And then for the summary, the profile, the about section, the LinkedIn, you do want to look at a few job descriptions that represent the types of roles that would appeal to you. And then again, as though you're telling a friend, talk about the things that you would do in that role and what you would deliver. And so then it still sounds like your voice. It still captures the intent in terms of the content, right? Because not you're right. Not everybody can afford a resume writer. Not everybody has the bandwidth to sculpt this wonderful document that will advance their candidacy, but they still need to submit something. That will at least get you closer and it will be forward-focused modern content as opposed to the ladders template from 10, 15 years ago that was title three bullets, title three bullets, right? So correct me if this is not right. If you have to choose between using the jargon crutch or writing in your own words, even if it's not A++ in terms of your skill set and your voice development, you would still opt for the real voice. Your real voice, that's who they're hiring, right? And they can tell it's authentically you. That's fine, you know, to use tools. It's fine to use JobScan to find keywords and incorporate those, pepper those in. It's fine to look at the language in the job description and say, okay, well, they are talking about collaboration a lot. So I'm going to talk about when I was working with these cross-functional teams, and I'm going to speak to that need within the content. It is fine to ask somebody to edit it for you, right? Sure. Just because somebody articulates, I'm, I lead teams effectively, you know, or splitting infinitives, someone else might say, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should clean up this up a little bit. It still will sound more like you than someone who's copied and pasted a job description and bulleted it. Okay. Praise God. Okay. The next one. Oh my goodness. Back when I was a recruiter and looking at resumes, I saw so many of these knots, which are in your words. Tell us about this next one. Gimmicks and hype. So give us an example of a gimmick and something that's hype. Is that both in feel and in language? Yeah. And in the look, a lot of times, a lot of these Etsy and Canva resumes, they're pretty much an infographic and they look very polished. They look really cool, but they don't actually have any way of articulating your value offering. So it might look cool to have an infographic that's got like scaled little dots saying how communicative you are, but it means nothing. If you've got tons of little graphs all over the document saying your profit, your revenue, and you a little globe with all these places that you've traveled for your business, like that's great. That's a lovely image, but you don't want to come across as slick or overhyped, right? Better to be very concrete, very straightforward, err on the side of simplicity to be just the facts. It's fine to have some accenting some branding, some strategic highlighting throughout so that what pops off the page is what when they're giving it that quick six second scan before they chat with you, they'll bring up those things you want to talk about. That's appropriate. But those infographics, the lots of charts, huge lists of testimonials and quotes, 
it really doesn't tell them a whole lot, again, about what you can do for them. Yeah, I never understood those graphs because the candidates creating them themselves, it's like basically like having like taking and cheating on the SATs and being like, yay, like I got a perfect 800. I mean, there's no objectivity here, even though SATs are like a thing of the past, but you get my point. So branding and highlighting is cool. Yes, it should have your stamp on it, but none of this got gimmicky and hypey stuff. And yeah. then lastly, share I with can us. Be anything you one. want me to be, Lauren, I can do anything. I can completely change my personality to meet your needs. And <laughs> like, do not show up. I like the way that you refer to this one as the blank slate, like the chameleon, the person that is just going to morph into anything. And I also hear this all the time where people will say things along the lines of, well, you know, I mean, I can do that. I'm sure you yeah. can, but this yeah. mean that's why we want to hire you. We could do a lot of things, but that doesn't mean you're the person that I feel is most qualified for it. Well, and they want to hire somebody who would thrive. They want to hire somebody who would be excited to do that, right? So if we come in and we say, well, I could communicate, I could problem solve, I could analyze, I could do X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. That's not as compelling as saying, my strength is I'm a ruminator and I really like digesting complex information and stories and distilling it into a cohesive narrative that really allows you to shine, right? That's powerful. That's me knowing myself and being able to articulate how I could complement a team. And it gives them the confidence to say, okay, that's exactly what we need, or that's not exactly what we need. You wouldn't be happy here, but I actually know somewhere else that I think that you would be great and I'm going to refer you there. So this is such an interesting resume slash personal development area because so many of the folks that we talk to in the world of work, right? They want the resume, but in many cases, they may not have the self-awareness. And I have a great level of empathy and also boundary around the fact that you have to do the work. Like creating a resume is important, but I can't create a resume and or a LinkedIn profile and or set you up as a candidate if you don't know yourself. And so right. I'm so curious how you are able to address that and draw that out of people when they do come in feeling like a blank slate, maybe because they've been in this industry for X amount of years and they're exhausted right. and they just don't have the emotional intelligence to understand how they got there in the first place. And then separately, mm -hmm. If they've gone through any kind of involuntary exit where that piece has been traumatized and now they're like, wait, I used to be this and I like this, but I'm not this anymore. So right. how do you not only draw out the emotional intelligence that is so important, and then how do you allow the resume to actually communicate that? Because that seems really hard to be able to communicate through a piece of paper. Right. Those are two really good questions. So first off, when we're trying to uncover those attributes, I ask a lot of questions and I ask a lot of very personal and reflective questions. And I'll even give examples, yeah, right? Give so me, I might give me one right now. I want to see if I so I, I could say to you, Lauren, I'd love to hear you talk about your leadership style. 
you could say, I don't know, I just lead people. So then I might prompt a little more and say something like, well, do you like to join in? Are you a hands-on type leader that you want to be working elbow to elbow with your team? Or are you a clearing obstacles kind of leader where you really hire high-performing teams, people you can trust? And you say, I'm going to let you run with this and trust you. Are you someone who develops frameworks and repeatable best practices and processes and then instills those on the team and says, okay, let's follow this. And then you check in periodically, right? So I'll go through and give examples and then I'll ask them for Mm. those instances in their career, right? What's the time you came home that you were really excited about something or that you bragged about something, right? Taking notes about that. Or we could be talking about how would other people describe your leadership style? What do they come to you for, right? A whole series of questions. And then I'll look for patterns, right? If they said something once and it never came up again, I might not choose that. If they said something that was laden with jargon, (laughs) that sounds like they think that it's what I might want to hear, right? Then I might say, well, can you give me an example of a time that you enacted that? And then sometimes they can't, right? So then you try to discern like what they think that you want to hear and what they actually get excited about. And you can tell when you're talking to them, I'm usually on Zoom, they'll lean forward, their eyes get bigger, they speak more quickly, right? (laughs) And they start to get really excited about it. So sometimes people do need a little more time. Every once in a while, I'll ask them to complete a personality assessment to give Mm. me a little inside scoop. But oftentimes it takes some time. It takes at least 30, 60 minutes to have these conversations, but we can kind of pull out, right? What they enjoy most and what kind of makes them sing. Now incorporating it into the content is another game. Looking at the types of roles they're targeting, sometimes it can be appropriate to weave it in with other topics, right? Because if we're talking about strategic planning, We can incorporate someone who's forward thinking. We can incorporate their sense of vision. Mm. We can incorporate, right? Sometimes it's most appropriate just to place it at the bottom of the summary. If it's kind of doesn't really weave in, right? You're a CFO. You'd think, okay, well, my EQ doesn't really matter. Okay, well, what if you're a really sociable, gregarious CFO who really enjoys going into other people's offices and asking what's going on with them? And saying, oh, wow, that sounds really exciting. I'd love to shave some money off here so that we can reinvest that in your project. That's a pretty cool CFO. I would want to touch on that as part Mm. of his EQ, but it wouldn't feel as appropriate talking about that under something talking about taxation, for example, right? So we would put it at the bottom of the summary. I can see why you get so amped up about this because it really is a very cool matrix of being able to mix and match different pieces in order to use that document as a North Star, but also as the currency that moves, that helps to move that candidate along. So we're going to get into the three signature questions, my three signature questions, and I can't wait to hear what they are because I just, everything that you say just always jazzes me up. So the first question is, as somebody who is constantly needing a reminder, what post-it do you want to share with our audience today that they should have as a reminder from this particular podcast, from this episode? Ooh, good question. So I think most professionals 
they go through a number of Phoenix moments in their careers, right? They, in their life, in their career, they have to reinvent themselves. And for that purpose, I would say on the post, it should be reinvention is a road, right? It's not a destination. It's a process and it doesn't really end, right? It's not a dead end, (laughs) but you defined your brand. You define your success. You define your life. And whether it's that career collateral, that resume, or deciding your next steps, don't assume that it's a one and done type deal. Right. So those reminders are for us personally, but then there's the whole world, right? And so I have just given you a billboard in the middle of Times Square. I mean, this is a busy, busy place. What is on your billboard that you want to share with either job seekers, people who are hiring managers, other people in the career world? What is the Erica Reckcamp billboard that you're going to get? What is it going to say? Ooh, all right. Mine, all caps, letters. What if... Mm. right? What if this is like your chance? What if you could do that thing that you've been thinking you'll never get a chance to do? So I just have to ask you, I'm not the grammar queen that you are, but does it have ellipsis? What? No, just what if. Okay. Okay, good. Oh, I'm so glad I asked that. You last one. What is your walk-up song? Unstoppable by Sia. Oh, That's a favorite. Awesome. Erica Reckamp, you are unstoppable. I love you. I think you're amazing. I think you make resumes fun. And equally important, I think you make them the most effective that they can be across every single industry. It has been a joy to partner with you, to send candidates your way. They love working with you. They get huge results. And so we'll include in the show notes all of the places where people can find you. And certainly, of course, on LinkedIn, which is one of the neighborhoods that we're always, always busy skipping down those lanes. So thank you everybody for being here today and can't wait for you to listen to the next episode of Career Blast and a Half and you know the deal. Please go ahead and just rate this podcast, give it some love and share it with people that you know in their careers, in their transitions, that is going to cut through all that stinky bullshit. So thanks again and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love, leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, Thank you for you.